0: 451 4220. Hey Bainbridge, Office Expats, the co working space in the pavilion is a shared office for those of us who work remotely. We have fast fiber Wi Fi and organic coffee. Keep us in mind too as a location for board meetings, depositions, or treat your team at work to an island offsite. This segment of the Bystander Podcast is brought to you by Eagle Harbor Insurance. We don't sell insurance. We help people buy it. This has always been their motto and continues. They understand every family has different insurance needs, be it coverage or premiums. No two cases are the same, and they will always do their best to guide you into the proper coverage to fit your budget. They are here to help anytime. Give them a call at 206-842-7410 or contact them online at Eagle Great Northern Electric.com serving our Bainbridge and Kitsap neighbors with solutions for anything electrical in your home. 206 842 3620. I got something for your mind, body, and soul. What's cracking, Podcastville? You found the Bystander Podcast. Today, my guest needs no introduction, but I'll give him one anyway. Joel Underwood, thank you for coming back for your fourth visit record. Oh, my gosh. Is that a record? Yes.
1: No kidding. All right. As long as they keep having debates, I guess.
0: Walk in the woods. Oh, right. Walk first, in the woods. First two debates. hmm Now we're on Democratic debate number three.
1: Number three they did.
0: With 10 people. hmm some part
1: of texas yeah they were down in houston just this side of the wall right god yeah yeah they were they were down in houston but they were down in a place that's uh that's dealt with some some tough stuff they still have very fresh memories of the hurricanes down there and uh the immigration debate down there is very real not to mention they're in texas anyway so the gun debate is very real down there
0: yeah and wasn't there a mass shooting
1: so they'd had two uh, in, over in West Texas. Now, Houston, obviously, in the, down in the um, southeast corner. But, yeah, over in West Texas in, in Beto country, uh, they had just had two, I think, about 10 days apart. Uh, and, and, of course, that popped up in the debate, and that's, uh, that's, that's something that's very visceral to them down there. Now, Beto's not in, currently in office in any capacity? He is not. You know, it's interesting. Uh, obviously, he lost to Ted Cruz. In the the most recent senatorial election, which is crazy, you know, the one thing you can't do you can't you can't beat a senator in your home state who's one of the most hated senators. But the other senator, John Cornyn from Texas, is coming up for re-election again, and there are a lot of people now. You are seeing this movement that's trying to sort of draft Beto. The same thing that's happening with Hick well, Hickenlooper has already been drafted uh, in Colorado. They're saying, "Dude, drop out of the presidential race. You are not going to win." We need you, because you're popular in Texas, to run against the sitting senator, and we need you to help flip the Senate back because you're popular. Please drop out of the of the presidential race and jump into the Senate race. That's what they're trying to get him to do. Hickenlooper has already done that in Colorado. Hickenlooper has dropped out of the presidential race and has already announced that he's going to be trying to unseat the, one of the current senators in Colorado.
0: Surprising news last week, too, that uh – Howard Schultz decided to drop out.
1: Yeah, <laughs> surprising, um, but you know it was interesting the 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 uh, uh, announcement he put out, basically saying that I I feel like I would do more harm than good right now. It was it was a startlingly self aware message that basically said the most important thing we could be doing right now is defeating Donald Trump, and I feel like I would I would do more harm than good. He has actually had. Protesters yell at him oh, I was at, there. at campaign. Oh, you you were at the one where they no, yelled? at
0: the Moore Theater, he came out in Dow Constantine, and there were some immigrants that were uh, Dairy Gold milk farmers. Okay. And there was a huge protest. I think um, Indivisible Bainbridge was out there, too. Oh, wow. Okay. Cops everywhere. Had press for that. Um, figured out that I didn't push record for the whole, oh, no. <laughs> Old talk. No. So I had, uh, oh, the guy that made Sonic Gate, too. Oh, okay. So I had what I thought I had. (laughs) I thought you had gold. Audio gold. Audio gold with the immigrant milk farmers. Oh, no. The director of Sonic Gate, Dow Constantine, and then, you know, the two hours of Howard Schultz speaking. But when he dropped out and sent that personal message to people that follow him, the one thing that I did like about it, Um, similar to what you just said, was his centrist attitude. I didn't really understand that term, you know, a few months ago. But basically he said there's a lot of extremists to the left and right, and that's what we always talk about. But maybe 70 to 80% of us is down the middle, in the center. And we're not finding common ground in that area that we all do kind of agree or slightly lean left or Mm -hmm. slightly lean Right i thought that was a good point and i think it it takes a man to know that you know you're done
1: yeah and and that that you are in fact in a position where if you if you keep going yeah you can keep going out of ego but when we look back on your legacy is your legacy going to be this sort of ralph nader legacy of because of your ego you gave us four more years of of Donald Trump or are you willing to go you know what I think my legacy as is looks pretty good right now I'm going to I'm going to back off and and I'll be able to sit in my rocking chair and say I I at least from a hippocratic standpoint did no harm Now before this debate there was the climate debate and yeah, it, now that was awesome. That wasn't a debate. It was really cool. I watched all what was it? 7 hours. I watched thought. all 7 hours. I, I did sat not in front see of it. My team. So I'm dying to hear. I watched the whole thing. This is what I do for you guys out there. I watched it all so you don't have to. You can say thanks. I'm a giver. But (laughs) it was really cool. It was a town hall. So what they did is instead of it being a debate, what CNN did is they basically got all 10 candidates up there, but one at a time and gave them each about 35 to 40 minutes. And they took questions from the audience. They took questions from the moderators and they took questions uh, uh, from the CNN environmental reporters. And the theme of the whole thing was climate change. So you really got 35 to 40 substantive minutes from each of the top 10 on that one issue. I loved it. It was the best thing that has happened in this campaign so far. I'd love to see one on medical care. I'd love to see one on guns. I'd love to see one on the opioid epidemic. That's how you get really substantive because you look, look at these debates so far. In the third debate, for instance, Andrew Yang talked for every bit of eight minutes If you look at the at the breakdown, Joe Biden, 18, Mm -hmm. that's that's not parody. That's not a way that that the the enlightened or the wishing to be enlightened Democratic voter can get a sense of who these people are.
0: Yeah, they even stage them in their seating areas or standing areas.
1: Yeah, yeah. So so these uh, uh, town halls, these issue oriented town halls, I think they're great. Uh, I love them all. Now, of course, what you can now talk about in terms of gradation with the town halls as opposed to who gets to talk longer, you get to talk about well, who got to go in what order. So for instance, what CNN did is they put uh, the people who were at the the low end of the polls on very, very first, which out here was like, I think it was three o'clock in the afternoon, uh, and then very, very last, which by that time back uh, on the East Coast would have been almost midnight, and then The big three, Biden, Bernie, and Warren, were in prime time out there eight o'clock to nine o'clock so we can talk about like who like Cory Booker joked that he was on prime time prime time in Hawaii Hmm. by the time he got on by the way he was excellent this is a theme you're going to hear me say this a couple of times during our little session here today watch Cory Booker he's on the upswing he does really really well in debates he does really really well in town halls he's hitting that exact right sweet spot between policy and passion I think I think it's his turn next. Everybody's sort of getting their turn, right? Right after the first debate, we got Kamala Harris's turn. We tried her on for a little while. And then we found out where we don't quite like her, where we do like her. And we had Pete Buttigieg's uh, uh, turn. And he was really the hot flavor of the month for a little while. I think Booker is next. And what we're really waiting for is for it to be somebody's turn. And then it keeps being their turn. They stick Mm-hmm. Right and yeah, because
0: Harris didn't stick after the did first, stick.
1: first and, night. And Pete's not really sticking either. Now he may come back again. We have a really long election season. Yeah, I
0: think he's slow playing it. <laughs> he
1: he may very well be. And and what all the pundits are saying is he has currently backed off the whole interview debate thing and is working on what Barack Obama worked on, which is your ground game. Do you have your organization and your volunteers and your get out the vote machine in all the different states? And that takes a lot of money and a lot of organization. And supposedly he's working on that hardcore right now, which is the long Game, you don't really see that starting to pop up till about a month before the primaries in February, and if that's what he's doing, it's smart, but it may cost him.
0: Yeah, you got to get there still too. Yeah,
1: but watch Booker. Booker is—I th- I think Booker's hot right now. I think it's about to be his turn. He's impressive.
0: Yeah, I—I I enjoyed him this last debate. I was kind of surprised that when immediately following debate. I read a lot of re- reviews, you know, mm-hmm, the, mm-hmm. the ones that are immediately put out, that people are hot scribbling as, as they're going, right? Yeah, you know, hot take, yeah. Those aren't so good as the ones that are formulated like we're talking about today. It is to be hoped. Yes, that it's we've digested it, we've molded it around. Maybe we talked to a few friends about it, got their impressions. Maybe we were like, I oh, well, kind of thought this, and now I think that. Um, so looking at things today, it's much different than in the moment, you know, like, absolutely. I, I had some thoughts right away about, especially about the moderators, but then as I started to think about it, as it went on, the, the few days after, Jorge Ramos seemed like he did a really good job. I, I went back and watched some
1: of his questioning and thought he, he was pretty skillful and crafty. He took him to some places that they haven't been to, asking some heavy-duty questions about Latin American countries, which to this point have not really been. I want to know how they feel about Venezuela. I want to know how they feel about what's going on with the fires in Brazil. And to this point, they have not been asked that. It was good to see him do that. Mm-hmm.
0: I like I like Booker's Spanish too. When he said, uh... "It's funny.
1: Yeah. No. <laughs> I re- or two. Yes. I'll repeat repeated in Spanish for you too. No. And see, that's good. It's not a haymaker. It's not like a big joke that if nobody laughs, it feels awkward. It's just a little poke that shows that you've got a humor. I think that's what so many people are missing about Bernie. So often in Bernie's life, it looks like he has just never found any one thing genuinely funny.
0: Yeah. Just he so comes serious. Across like all he's always time. yelling. Plus his
1: voice is shot. Did you notice that? In fact, he's had to take now, th- I think it's four days off the campaign trail mm. to try to recoup his voice because you could hear it. You could, you could hear it on Thursday night. His voice is shot right now. Um, now, lots of people on the campaign trail's voice get shot. That's, that's not weird, and especially as you come down to the general in November. But when you are also trying to combat the stereotype of age and yeah. infirmity it's to, big and be the one person up on the stage that have you and have your voice be shot uh, it's not great
0: yeah the ageism is is definitely in everybody's face with biden warren and, oh, and biden Bernie.
1: was oh my god there were some biden moments that just i was i looked over at amy and she just was looking at me with with her eyes wide like is this really happening right now the the record player answer yeah. the iran iraq uh, uh, meandering answer it was like watching he, he keeps interrupting his own sentences yeah. he'll get he halfway through himself. a sentence and then turns and then gathering african-americans in poor neighborhoods around the record player to teach them i'm going what is going yeah it was on borderline here? racist stuff what is happening here and and i felt like watching joe biden in this debate was like driving in a car with your grandfather, and suddenly you realize that your grandfather has turned the wrong way down a one way street, and all the traffic is now coming at you. And you're trying to go, Grandpa, Grandpa, and you're grabbing the wheel. Meanwhile, he's fiddling with a cigarette lighter, going, These damn cigarette lighters, they don't work. You're like, Grandpa, all the traffic is coming this way. It's just, it's frightening. It's nightmarish. And again, with most candidates, that wouldn't be a problem. But when you are already trying to fight the image of and and the question, very frankly, of "Are you too old to be president?" it doesn't help. It takes you back to that first debate when he couldn't uh, figure out well, the the text. Too. Yeah, when when he couldn't figure out the text number, he wanted to yeah. send him to his website, and he's no, go to three zero three three. 3-0, and you know, but everybody still loves Joe, which is weird. He's still ahead in the polls. Yeah, that blew me away too. But the sense that you're getting is the sense of, again, going over to your grandpa's house and he, he's like, hey missy how you doing how's my favorite granddaughter yeah come on up here on granddad's lap help your old granddad out i'm having trouble with this i messed the remote all up again here sweetie here take the tv remote i can't figure this out what do you do and your daughter just goes over and hits input and fixes everything and he's like oh is that what you do i was hitting three oh three three oh three three oh thanks sweetie and that's all fun with your grandpa yeah but that you know, what's going to happen? You know, you go see him in the Oval Office, and he's like, hey, Missy. Hey, how's your old – come? thanks for coming to see your president granddad. Get up here on my lap. Hey, I am having the worst time with these missile codes. Help your old granddad out. What do you do here? And the girl hits input, and you go, great. I was texting in 303330. It's not okay. And it freaks you out. And yet, here's the interesting thing. Elizabeth Warren is in that age category too. Mm-hmm. Does not come across that way. She comes across sharp. She comes across energetic. She comes across charismatic. That's why that's the problem that Bernie's having right now. That which was the big discussion around my dinner table with, with with my wife. And Bernie has a Warren problem, which is it depends on why you if you like Bernie, it depends on why you like Bernie. If you like Bernie because you just like Bernie as a human being. okay, that's fine. You've got Bernie. If what you always liked about Bernie was Bernie's ideas, now, you, now Bernie's got a problem because with Elizabeth Warren, you can get all those same ideas in a younger, more charismatic, more organized, highly educated resume out the wazoo package that now voters have a choice that they didn't have last time around. And, and so Bernie's biggest enemy is, is, is almost the fact that his ideas have been co-opted by this in many ways, superior candidate. And hasn't he just like drilled the Medicare
0: issue too much? It seems like when he's talking about, uh, medical care for all, you know, he's very passionate, very loud, you know, finger, I feel like he's going to shake it off his hand, (laughs) um, but then he seems to fade a little bit as the debate goes, that he's not as passionate, in my mind, about every topic like he is that
1: topic. Some of that is true, but, but to a degree, I mean, for that's, that's almost true for all of them. And that's just because, again, when you poll voters, the number one topic that they all want to talk about, by far, the number one, number two isn't even close, medical care. Mm-hmm. That's the topic that everybody wants to figure out. That's the topic that everybody wants to know. What are you going to do? That's the topic that everybody's the most scared about. Are you going to change it so that my pre-existing conditions now won't be covered? Are we going to go to Medicare for all? Are we going to go to Medicare for all who want it? What are we going to one do? One-payer
0: system. Or right. not, are so we you, ha- happy with Obamacare?
1: Right. So the idea is, yeah, they're all talking about it a ton, and yeah, there—that's the, the, everybody's signature issue. But it's their signature issue because that's what all the voters are saying is their number one issue. Can't really fault them for that.
0: Oh. Biden too—he—he he just seems to be losing gas with me, and he seems to keep saying he totes that Barack line v- very closely. Like, I—I I wasn't the president; I was the vice president. So that was Barack did that. You know, I did that when I was serving under Barack. You know, whether it's good or bad, he shifts that same card. Like, he's not playing with the other 51 cards in the deck. He just wants to play that Obama card all the time. And it seems to be wearing very thin. And I thought Castro decided that his go-to move was to
1: attack him it was very clear that that's they they had sat down and strategized that before that's like go after obama go after biden get a lot of split screen time with him he's the front runner get your name in the paper beside his a lot of the time Um, do you think it worked well that's the that's the big question isn't it because of course what everybody talked about right after and the next day was that moment Right Where where Biden was a little discombobulated and Castro comes back at him with, but you just said, you just said, and then says three times, don't you remember what you just said two minutes ago? Mm -hmm. I mean, coming back at him in what was clearly an attack that was supposed to highlight age. So the big question of this debate was, when you look at that moment, do you see it as mean and a young guy picking on an old guy, do you see it as disrespectful or do you see it as aggressive? And and I think the answer is going to depend on who you are. Yeah, right? me being old, I think it was aggressive. Right, as towards. me being an, an older, over 50-year-old dude, that comes across to me as mean. That comes across to me as disrespectful. That comes across to me. Now, there is a younger debater. There is a younger crowd out there. And you could argue that these are the people that Castro is courting. Mm-hmm. Who sees that as aggressive, who sees that as, yeah, go after that guy. If he's unfit, I want to know if he can't handle the pressure. I want to know. And there's a sound argument to be made. Do you think Donald Trump is going to go soft on you? Nope. If you, if you win the nomination and you're up one on one with, you know, the, the big orange Kool-Aid monster are, do you think he's going to back off on you and he's going to go soft? So there, there is an argument to be made for that. Um, My gut instinct tells me that that move is going to cost him in the long run more than it will help him.
0: Yeah, because he seemed to go after Biden when everybody else was going
1: after Trump in the party. Well, to a certain degree, I would argue that that almost nobody with one big exception spent that much time talking about Trump. And that was a problem. Harris, It it was very clear that Harris's. Sort of strategy was Trump, 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 Trump. Always pull it back to Trump. If it's been 30 seconds since anybody's mentioned Trump, get it out there. Trump, Mm -hmm. Trump, 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 Trump. Almost to the point of me being able to go, wait a minute, where are your policies? Where Where is your hardcore? The thing that's driving me crazy about her right now, and, and actually uh, uh, my wife mentioned this too. She put it in a different way than I would put it. I would say she, that, that she's dealing with ethos too much. She's hung up on the ethos card. The way my wife puts it is very key. She says, man, she's got a personal story about everything.
0: Well, that's the pivot move, right? And, and there seemed to be a lot less pivoting to this time where you take – a personal story and pivoted it
1: towards your agenda. But, but the issue, I mean, again, when you've only got, and this is part of the debate rules too, when you've only got a minute, 15 seconds to answer the, the question, you, you can't begin every question answer by launching into these personal stories. It made me crazy. If she one more time started answering a question with the phrase, you know, this is personal to me. I was just going to bang my head on the table. Was, you know, this is personal to me. I was bust. You know, this is personal to me because I think about my niece and nephews. You know, I, almost, I always think about I, 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 mm-hmm. I, 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 And one of the things that, that I think Mayor Pete's been good about is people don't want to hear about us. They want to hear about themselves. They want to know what we're going to do for them. They want to know how we're going to make life around their dinner table easier. And I think she's lost track of that.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, who came out on top in your mind?
1: Again, as, as, I've, as I've said many times over these podcasts, winning looks different to different people. Here's one thing I will say. I think, I think Warren, if you, were, if you were loving Warren, you didn't see anything to make you stop loving her. Yep. She's, she is laying her claim to be the spokesman of the progressive wing of the party. And, and it seems to be working. I will say... Booker looking really, really good now, looking really strong. And I think the Beto showed up that Beto fans have been waiting for this whole time. I yeah, think they finally got the Beto that they knew was in there the whole the whole time. Yeah, he, he was awake. <laughs> <laughs> he was he was awake. He was strong. He was here's what's happened with Beto. He had a little bit of passion for a change. Has anybody I think you have to go back to George Carlin to find somebody for whom swearing has done more for their career, right? I think initially the shooting happened in El Paso. The the first response was genuine. The press caught him at sort of a weird moment, and he dropped an F-bomb. And I'll bet you money that he walked back to the car going, oh, stupid. Oh, Beta, you don't swear when they've got the tape recorders on? Oh. Stupid, stupid, Beto! And then what happened the next couple of days? Poll bump, hmm. poll bump, poll bump. Everybody liked it, and so then his people come back to him and they go, Bo and "Beto, drop another one of those. Why don't you just hey, maybe we could, uh, maybe next time it could be an F bomb or maybe a GD." And, and did ABC maybe. send a letter out to all these? So, guys? so this is this is interesting. So yeah, so he 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 keeps dropping these and he keeps being the real Beto. His poll numbers start rising a little bit but then what the dnc uh did is they sent a a very strongly worded letter out to all 10 debate participants and they said just to let you guys know there will be no tape delay we are not doing a four second delay on this debate so if you drop an f-bomb it's going out over the national airwaves and then ABC could get sued. You know, we could get into a Janet Jackson Super Bowl situation. I'm suing you. I had to look at Janet Jackson's nipple and I had no idea it was going to happen. They're like, so please don't swear. Don't, da, don't, don't, don't. And everybody pretty much had their, you know, their their good behavior mm-hmm. on. But it's working for him. Like there is there is a – An audience out there and again it's those younger voters that you're trying to get up off the couch that kind of dig his f this his bs that his it's they feel like it's real it's not you know it's it's not and again they're not totally wrong one of my my problems with mayor pete right now i i love the fact that you know he's he's so interesting and he's so intelligent and he can't open his mouth without something interesting coming out but he does come across as calculating He does come across as, yeah, I'm going to answer this question, but first I'm going to think about the polls and would people be into that? Would people be not? Oh, if I say I'm going to take their guns away, I might lose this percentage of people. He's playing too much chess. There is something that we're responding to about Warren and Bernie and Booker uh, and Beto in terms of just, just say it, just say it. Just say if you want to take all the AR-15s and the AK-47s, just say it. Mm -hmm. Hell yes, we're going to take them away. Just okay, whether it's right or whether it's wrong, and whether I'm going to vote for you or not, or whether just say it. And there's a refreshing honesty that comes from from Beto right now that his fans are digging on. Now, can he keep it up? I don't know.
0: Yeah, you were saying winning looks different to different people, and Mm -hmm. I texted you and I thought he he failed miserably complete opposite opinion that that you had not that i have a lot of opinions but it seemed like he was bringing gun stats out of thin air and not citing specific sources and stuff and kind of being more theatrical
1: than than realistic in his comments you're right but again you have to place everything in context we are in the trump world now and you and I have both have talked over these microphones before about one of my big problems with Trump and one of the, the, the real ways he does damage to the republic is he lowers the level of discourse. I mean, dropping F-bombs 10, 12 years ago would have been a disqualifier. Oh, my God. But now in Trump land, he's, he's broken the seal. Everything's OK. Mm-hmm. Everything's possible. Citing sources. No, you just say it.
2: You just say it.
1: Okay. (laughs) So if if he's going to play by those rules, if somebody like Beto comes along, and I'm not saying this is a calculation he's making consciously, but if that's the water he's swimming in, you can't really fault him for for not playing with one hand tied behind his back. So it it, it just depends. Now, is that going to be enough to get him the nomination? Probably not. He's still polling but way behind the others. He's still running out of money. Um, obviously, he's going to make the fourth debate stage in the middle of October because all of them are going to make the fourth debate stage plus Steyer. I am so waiting for the fourth debate because now we're not going to have 10 people on the stage anymore. It's going to be great.
0: Do you think Gabbard has a chance to get back in on that fourth debate?
1: Well, everybody has a chance because what they've they've given you is basically, remember, they haven't upped The numbers. So the rule is, if you made the third debate, you automatically make the fourth. And if you didn't make the third debate, the numbers are the same. You just have another 30 days to get there. So uh, what she has till midnight, October 1st, to get her polling numbers and to get her donors. All right. If you like Tulsi Gabbard, get her on there. So right now we've got 11. Because Tom Steyer made it. Mm-hmm. So we've got those 10 that you saw but Thursday that's night. that's his first debate, right? That'll be his first debate. But that makes 11. So they'll do one night of five and one night of six, which is so much better than one night of 10. All right? Now, let's assume that- How do that,
0: they pair those?
1: I'm sure they'll do- Well, uh, let's, we're back to CNN. Okay, so CNN did the first debate. So they're running this one too. It's in Ohio. Uh, most likely, I bet they'll do a random draw. So what, what you'll end up with- again, is a lot more talking time for everybody, a lot more time for substantive issues, but the Eric Swalwells of the world, the the uh, 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 Gillibrands of the world, they'll be gone. So we can really get down to, you know, preseason will be over and we'll be into the actual games, which will which will be good.
0: What name have we not
1: mentioned? You know, I was watching one of the pundits the other night and he said, Don't overlook Amy Klobuchar. Now, I've been overlooking Amy Klobuchar.
0: I continue
1: (laughs) to overlook Amy Klobuchar. But here's the reason. And his reason was interesting. His reasoning was sound. He said, if you go to these these states, the key states, the Wisconsins, the Pennsylvanias, a lot of individual names, like if they – let's say they test um, Elizabeth Warren against Donald Trump, you don't necessarily beat Donald Trump. But if you test unnamed Democrat – against Donald Trump. In other words, generic Democrat, a lot of times, they beat Donald Trump. You're not going to get a more generic Democrat than Amy Klobuchar. If what you're looking for is, is generic Democrat to beat Donald Trump, uh, there you go. How she made three debates in a row? Uh, what do people love about her? I think uh, she's got a good donor base. Remember, with the um, uh, the CN- the uh, uh, DNC rules right now, you have to have, uh, what is it? You have to have a hundred and 20,000 individual donors and you have to have at least 400 from 20 different states. So she's not awesome anywhere, except maybe her home state, but she's good enough everywhere. You know? And, and you got to d- pull over 2%. And you got to poll over 2% in four approved polls.
0: So what or, you've got... Or five if you're Andrew Yang.
1: <laughs> or, or five, yeah, exactly. They gave him, they said that two were from the same source. Uh, so what you've got with her... Is, is you've got somebody who has a great legislative record. Her name, her, her name is on a lot of very cool bills that she has co-sponsored uh, or written herself. Uh, you've, you've got somebody who's been a strong spokesperson for women's issues. You've got somebody who's got a, who's got a great story. And a lot of those women who went over to Trump, remember, <laughs> Trump got a disturbing percentage of white women. Last last election that you would assume would have just been in Hillary's pocket. He wanted. And and so, again, those those voters who voted for Barack Obama that then turned around and voted for Trump. We've talked about this before. Those are the people you have to get back. It is assumed she could get those back. So, uh, again, is she polling high, you know, high enough to get the nomination? Probably not. Is she going to raise the money to to just keep going and get the nomination? Eh, Probably not. But. Is she somebody who's going to be on the next debate stage? Yeah, guess who's not? Marianne Williamson isn't. Gillibrand isn't. uh, uh, Gillibrand isn't. Uh, uh, Steve Bullock isn't. So I mean, she's she's hanging around. John Delaney is not. Is not hanging around. (laughs) Hanging around.
0: Hanging around. What was it? Jeez, You, you you wax so elegant. Hey, I forget my next upcoming question. Um, oh. Explain this to me, Mr. Joel Underwood. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. If she can poll that well and be Mm -hmm. on three debates, Mm -hmm. and she's so rememberable that she's the last person that we speak of, Mm -hmm. Jay Inslee wins the climate debate. He has all this legislation that he's beat Trump on. Yeah. He wins the climate debate when he's not there. Yeah, everybody was giving him shout-outs and love. Climate oh, change great. became probably the second biggest issue next to medical care. They, they got a whole night on it. Yeah. He pulls at zero.
1: Yeah. So, what is the difference between those two candidates? Of uh, geography is a lot of it. I mean, to to so much of the nation and you fly around. I know you, the last time we had talked, you'd been back to your home in New York, things like that. I mean, if you if you don't Travel around. If you're from here, okay. Mm-hmm. If you're from out here in the Pacific Northwest, and you don't fly around or travel around a lot, um, you can forget how far away from everywhere else we are. I mean, to a great deal of the country, we're Southeast Alaska. We are a long – it's a long flight to get out mm. here. And, I mean, listen, this is the same thing. I don't know if you follow Husky football, but this is the same argument that when they go, hey, when the polls come out, when the, when the Huskies are awesome, why are we ranked so low? Well, it's because we're out here in the West and our games are on so late. Nobody watches our games. And the yeah. Seahawks don't get the love they deserve and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, we're out here on the West Coast. And we're not even on the West Coast. We're not in California. We are – Up in the corner, we are to a great deal of of the nation's Southeast Alaska. And so what's important and what works for us out here and what's badass and what's awesome just doesn't necessarily register on the retinas of so much of of the rest of the country. Listen, it's one of my big pet peeves in the news of there is a corridor, okay, from let's – if you're looking at a map, basically from Boston down to about Washington, D.C., there is an, an interstate corridor down there. And this is somebody speaking as someone who used to be a mid atlantiker I was you know, born and raised in the Carolinas. But to most of the networks and most news coverage, if something, whatever, terrorist attacks, sickness, uh, uh, highway shooter, storm, call it whatever you want. If it happens from that corridor from Boston down to about D.C., oh, my God, it's real. It needs coverage. It's a real thing that's happening to real people. Anything that doesn't happen there, that happens down in the South or happens out here in the Mountain West or on the West Coast or, or God forbid, the, you know Middle America, the Upper Midwest, yeah, they'll cover it. They won't cover it the same. And they don't cover it with the same immediacy of it happening to, quote-unquote, real people. You know, when there's a horrible tornado in Mississippi... Yeah, the network news will cover it. They might send Lester Holt out there to do a stand-up. But compare that to, you know, a hurricane with high waves coming into Manhattan. This one's happening to real people that they know and is visceral and all that. And this one is happening. Really? Middle Mississippi? There are people there? Huh? Who knew? It's, It's just different. And our politicians are the same way. You know, that's why a Bill de Blasio... Who, by the way, still has not dropped out. A Bill de Blasio can at least garner the support that he can garner. But somebody like a Jay Inslee, as you very astutely point out, in so many ways, never got a second look. There's a a huge geographical bias. Okay. That explains it. It's the price we pay for living in one of the most beautiful places on Earth. I mean, we do. Hey, Buttigieg um,
0: was talking about an endless war. And I liked how they were all answering a question of what their biggest setback was. Do you think that that was a appropriate question to talk about adversity? And I'm sure they had their, the pre-sheet out there and said hey we're going to ask you this question at the end of the debates how do you think that went because well, i thought, you, thought pete you, did a good job
1: there. yeah you notice what stephanopoulos did there is he did that instead of letting them do just a standard closing statement and what he was trying to do he failed miserably but what he was trying yeah, th- to do i didn't think he was, was pull them off of their preset stump speech he was trying to pull them off of what they would normally say in a closing statement try to get quote-unquote that real moment um He didn't really. Most of them found a way, as skilled politicians will, to pivot back around to what they were going to say for a closing statement Mm -hmm. anyway. But you bring up, again, very astutely – you're on your game today, my man. Thanks. Um, What Pete did – Pete was different. He went to a different place, and he talked about coming out, and he talked about being over in Afghanistan and deciding if – you know, if if I could die at any moment, do I want to die without ever having been who I really am and being in love? And it was, I would argue, his best moment of the night. It was yeah. honest, it was real. Again, like I talk about Pete before. When he is at his best, he doesn't come off as calculating. He comes off as genuine. And and I think when he's at his worst, he comes off as too much of a chess player. And knocking him off of that a little bit was really good. Everybody else, I gotta be honest, even though George had asked them a question about like your best set, I heard them basically say things I've heard them say a hundred times before.
0: Yeah. And you probably follow it a lot more than anybody else. So you
1: do hear things repeated, but but even if I didn't, you, you can hear it. I mean, it, it starts to, you can, you can tell when they go into one of their canned set pieces. I mean, when you hear as much as I like Elizabeth Warren, when she starts talking about her dream job, having been a special ed teacher, which she was for one school year, by the way, um, When she starts going into, you know, it being her dream job and she could go down to the University of Houston for 50 bucks, it just feels like one of her canned answers. And it's not her fault. You can't give a speech that you've given a thousand times, a thousand and one times without that one thousand and first sounding canned. You've you've said it so many times. What do you think about Beto's little story about... His uncle Ray Ray took him shooting one time. So now he knows what guns are. Well, so there's the thing is Beto again, Beto has seen the polling and Beto, because of what's happened in his homeland of West Texas, Beto has decided he is going to nail his candidacy to that issue, to the gun issue. And, and he's going to live or die with that issue. And I bet they have revamped a great deal of his campaign. I bet they've gone in and changed his stump speech. I bet they have gone in and, and done some polling on where he needs to go with that. But he has decided that is his issue. And he's not dumb on this. The vast majority of Americans, if you do the, look at the polling, are for common sense gun laws. They're for uh, uh, background checks. They're for red flag laws. The only reason we're not doing them is because of NRA power so he's decided that's that's the flag i'm gonna fly and and it seems to be working for him as opposed to somebody like andrew yang now come on when he did in the the ubi in the intro, thing? when he did is right, that a campaign go, finance? go to yang 2020.com and i'm gonna give what is it is it thousand 10, a month to 10 people i think yep. it was twenty like grand or something oh my god i mean so, OK, so here's what happened with Andrew Yang. That seems highly illegal. Well, it depends on how you, you go about it. If he finances it out of his own pocket. Right. He's and, 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 are, and, and you have to be very clear that there is no expectation being made to these people that when you give them that, that they are going to vote for you. That's the idea. If you were going to be a, a, an Elizabeth Warren person, if you were going to vote for Elizabeth Warren, Andrew Yang gives you $12,000. The expectation is you're still going to vote for Elizabeth Warren. That he is not giving this to you and saying, here, now vote for me. That's a thin line to walk. It's yeah. a very thin I line. I wonder if he thought of that. I, I'm, it's a calculated risk. Look, here's what happened. Supposedly, after the last debate, he got really mad at his people. He came off and was like, you guys are trying to – people like me. He was paying consultants, folks like that, and, and he felt like he was doing poorly. And he, he apparently blew up at the people around him and said, you are trying to turn me into a political candidate, and I am not a politician. And they're going, well, what are you paying us for if not to win you an election? And he said, no, this is a reality show. And we have to treat it like a reality show. And I need to figure out my part on this reality show. And so what he did in preparation for this third debate is fascinating. He went and he hired a theater company. He hired a theater troupe. He hired a ton of different actors. And they got a theater. And they made the set. And they did mock debates where like somebody was Joe Biden and somebody was Elizabeth Warren and so and he hired some of the other actors to be out in the in the in the audience and respond and clap for certain things and boo for certain. Now, I've done a lot of debate prep. Every candidate does some of that. Like if if you're Hillary Clinton and you're getting ready to go against Donald Trump, you find somebody to do Donald Trump and you sort of work against that. I have never heard of anybody going to that scale of, of figuring out what to do, of, of all those people and, and, and paying all that and basically making a small play to figure out who you are. But what he is now saying is, listen, I get it. This is a reality TV show. And of course, he has that great quote, you know, the, the fact that this is a reality TV show, that's how we got a reality star president.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: He says, this is a reality TV show. And I now know I have a role on this reality TV show, and I'm figuring out what that is. So what I think is you're going to see him over these next few weeks throwing more Hail Marys, being crazier, not feeling like, listen, if I play by the rules, the normal rules of this game, I'm going to lose. It's not his forum. Right. So why not swing for the fences? Why not say, I'm going to give 10 people $12,000, you know, $120,000. That's tip money for him, okay? Uh, why why not say, um, I'm going to go out and do a, a weekly webcast where I visit one of these people each couple of weeks, and you can see what a UBI, what the what the freedom dividend would do in their lives. Why not do that? Because he's right. If you play by the standard rules, you're going to lose. Isn't there some sort of freedom dividend currently
0: going on in alaska
1: well it's the oil so so basically alaska has so many state lands uh given over to oil drilling the way they sold that to the people is they said listen once a year now there's a big difference between that and what andrew yang's proposing his is once a month theirs is once a year and it's much less it's like a thousand to two thousand dollars but every citizen of alaska gets their dividend check gets their oil check
0: does that change their social security checks at all
1: You mean they get Social Security? Is it taxable? Yes, I believe it is taxable income. But everybody gets it. Look, the vast majority of Americans, the single biggest check they will get all year long, the single biggest lump of money they will ever get is their federal income tax return. Okay? By the way, little – thing out there. That's why uh, going to an income tax preparation place and giving up a percentage of that to get your money now is such a horrible idea. Because for most people, that is the biggest check they will receive. In Alaska, they get this too. They get get this check. Now, again, there's a big difference between getting $1,000 to $2,000 and getting $12,000 all year long. But it's the same idea. You get to participate and you get a dividend back from That which your government is doing. Obviously, the difference between that and what Andrew Yang is talking about is that money would come from Amazon, would come from uh, uh, the uh, the various shipping companies that would use driverless trucks. It would come from uh, basically the tech boom. In fact, you notice he's not calling it the freedom dividend anymore. Do you hear what he's calling Mm -hmm. it now? He's calling it the tech check. Mm -hmm. In other words, he's posing Amazon as the big enemy out there and saying, you should get a piece of the fact that they're closing down a third of the retail stores in America right now. And you should get a piece of that. So now he's starting to call it the tech check, the tech check, the tech check. So you got the oil check and you got the tech check, which is smart on his part because what's the, when I tell you that the government's going to give you $12,000 a year, what's the first question that any sensible person has? How are you going to pay for it? So what the tech check does is it says, no, no, no it's not the government giving it to you it's amazon giving it to you. Mm-hmm. It's you getting to take a bite out of them.
0: That's so, definitely the first question everybody asks. I think I think he's been in the news for various things a lot lately. One thing I, he said the other day that I don't like and you know, you know I'm a Yang. Uh, oh yeah, supporter. you were Yang before anybody else was Yang. <laughs> I was Yang back in the day. You were, man. Um he said I'm not hung up on being president. I'm hung up on making America um think harder, mm-hmm. you know, and and figure these solutions out. And he's like, even if I don't become president, I want these things to work, and I want fixes for America. But he's running for president. So that's the last thing I want to hear him say is, like, I'm not really hung up on being president. You know That's, that's not full commitment. And I often say, um, if you have a plan B – Plan A wasn't really a good plan.
1: Mm, Yeah, Cortez burning the ships when he he lands. Uh, It's tough because he does present you a conundrum, doesn't he? Can you vote and can you get behind a candidate who is, by their own admission, something of a one-issue candidate? If that one issue is, barring a miracle, barring an incredible electoral miracle— I mean, it wouldn't just take him winning the election. It would take him winning the election by a landslide, creating a mandate that the American people want this. Barring that, the one idea is never going to happen. Mm -hmm. There is no Congress that is going to vote in UBI. They're just not. Again, barring him getting the nomination and him winning the election by some sort of massive landslide that a Congress just can't ignore. Barring that... The tech check, the freedom dividend, whatever you want to call it, is not going to happen. So can you therefore get behind that candidate when the one flag they're flying is something that's never going to occur? That's a very difficult existential conundrum.
0: I'll disagree a little bit. I think there's more flags out there. I think, I think he's got a lot of great ideas.
1: I, th- I think he has some very, very interesting ideas. The one we always talk about. As, as a, yeah, KPI. especially some of the uh, uh, ideas of how we measure things. And what metrics we look at, mm-hmm. but he has absolutely staked his his candidacy on. It's the first thing he talks about. You know that there's. If you know anything about me, you know there's an Asian guy running who wants to give everybody a thousand dollars a month. It's yep. always the first thing out of his mouth. You yep. know uh, uh, when you when you've staked your your. Uh, hey, poor people don't vote, and maybe they start voting when they start. Well, that's that money and, and that's the gamble, of right? Is can you get those people off off the couch who didn't come off the couch last time?
0: Well, I know when he first came to Seattle, there was thirty two people at the Seattle Library mm-hmm. to listen to him talk, and then there was easily a thousand people at Gasworks Park the next time. Yeah, I mean he catches certain times of momentum in in his campaign, and can he, like you say, find momentum? Beyond just the UBI. Absolutely.
1: And, and, but what I think, especially in places like Seattle, where his message has caught on is, is he is telling certain truths that nobody else is saying, even if they know them and believe them, he's actually saying it. The idea of it's going to get worse before it gets better, that Amazon's going to close a third of the stores, that the average retail worker is, is not long for this world. I mean, he, th- th- again, we go back to what Beto O'Rourke did. Just say it. Mm-hmm. Just say it. Don't worry about if you're going to lose the votes or get the votes. or anything. If it's true, just say it. If you want to get my AR-15, just say it. Even if I don't want you to have it, there's a refreshingness to honesty. And I think people respond to that. Now, to talk numbers, did you see what happened when Elizabeth Warren came to Seattle? Okay. They had to move. move.
2: Her, her to out Seattle to, to
1: Seattle Center, where she spoke to 15,000 people. Yeah. Now, I take you back to the Trump election. Uh, one of the things that people kept saying, he was throwing these amazing rallies, these big, huge rallies. And what did all the pundits say? Well, rallies aren't elections. You're getting out your faithful. You're getting out your base. That isn't necessarily who's going to vote for you. Rallies aren't elections. Rallies aren't elections. Well, what did I think we learn off that Trump election? Do not dismiss rallies if you can draw uh, yes obviously everybody who comes out to see you is is not that's not the same thing as voters but if you can draw a crowd there's something to be said for that that is that is not something that, hey, it's not something that Harris is doing right now. It's not something that Klobuchar is doing right now. So let's not just write it off and say, well, rallies aren't elections. When you can draw 15,000 people and we have to move you outdoors to Gasworks Park. And by the way, once she got out there, I watched that speech, gave a humdinger. Yeah. I mean, really did well. Okay, now... We, we need to talk about, you know, you're, you're playing in the major leagues. Well, in rallies, too, you get that mob mentality. You know, like... You can, yeah.
0: We love you, Elizabeth!
1: Absolutely. And that, that euphoria starts going... And you can ride that, and that is an intoxicating thing, man. Yeah. That is, an into- that, is, that is being up there and being Springsteen and hearing them all go "Bruce," That's a hard thing to turn off. <laughs> of course, you pivot to music, being it, the it, musician that you true, are. <laughs> but, I mean, but it's the same drug. Right. It's that same drug. Now, I found it fascinating that what she did, actually, most of the time she spent more time actually answering questions than she did giving her stump speech. Now, granted, she pivoted her answers to those questions to a lot of the things that she says normally, but she's not. It's that teacher in her. Right. It's that college professor that loves Socratic dialogue. She she loves to throw the ball around. She is is much more comfortable doing that than standing up and just speaking, speaking, speaking.
0: Yeah, I think you have a direction when you're allowed to formulate your own thoughts and and get your message out there yourself as opposed to reacting to stale questions and having a minute or whatever to answer them. I remember taking my son to Safeco Field for uh, Bernie last go around, not this go around, but last. And there was the, the lead in the water at the school's here on on the island and they had shut down all the drinking fountains and the water at his uh elementary school and they were bringing in water jugs um, because they found heavy levels of lead at oh, the wow. schools i didn't know that yeah. um yeah you know, it was six years ago right gee and uh bernie comes up there and is you know right after flint too and he started talking about the infrastructure of the water system all across america and then he had made a comment about, and there'll be no lead in your children's school. And right there, my son was immediately attached by that rally, being in a euphoric place, talking about something that had hit him in his reality at school and was an issue. Like all of a sudden, something was different and transition to no water available at school. And then Bernie comes in, crowds there. We're going to have lead free. So then, ever since then, I've been trying to take him to rallies. So, it's been it been enjoyable to be a part of town hall, Se- Seattle, and take my son to face these candidates, you know, and and
1: and see what they're all about. There's there's no substitute for a politician just finding that because what is a politician? A politician is somebody who wants to be a leader. There's somebody hope, who wants somebody who wants to lead. Okay, there's somebody who wants to be a decision maker. There is no substitute for a politician, somebody who wants to, to be a decision maker, suddenly hitting you where you live mm-hmm. with an issue that is important to you, whatever that happens to be. Right. And I, and I'm, I'm the same way. So again, I'm not a big Beto fan. Okay. not I'm, I'm not huge. There's, there's a lot of his policies that I find overly centrist. I think he's a little bit of a, uh, he's got a little bit of, of conservative sheep's clothing going on, um, but I'm a really big anti gun guy because of my time as a teacher and, and having to do those drills in schools and not seeing like there is any, uh, there's, you know, no progress after something as horrible as Sandy Hook. Lockdown right? drills are normal
0: for kids. Oh, they're absolutely normal now. Um, it's like earthquake drills when we were hit under the desk back
1: in true. the 60s. And so hey, hearing, even though I'm not a Beto O'Rourke fan, hearing him get passionate about there's something inside me that I have to fight that I have to turn off when I hear him get passionate about firearms in the same way that I'm passionate about firearms there's a part of me that wants to get swept along and you have to think there intellectually you have to go wait a minute Joel think about him on trade Joel think about think about him on, on fossils Joel Joel but I hear him go hell yeah I want your AR-15 hell yeah I want your AK-47 we're going to come get him till our schools are safe and there's a part of me that goes yes I'm going with you it's intoxicating intoxicating it's tough because what what's the secret fear we all have that i'm the only one who feels this way Ooh, all of us feel like i'm alone i'm the only person who feels the way i feel and when we get that incredible dopamine rush of no not only does this leader feel that way you heard those cheers thousands if not millions of people feel this way i'm not alone i'm part of a tribe. And being a tribe is an intoxicating thing. Feels great.
0: Yeah, that's a mob mentality kind of. Hey, a um, little bit more about Booker, and then we'll shut this down for today Surely. because we got some more debates coming up. You got it. Um, you think, well, let me back up. Steyer is in for 11, mm-hmm. Gabbard has an outside chance.
1: Does anybody else have an uh, additional chance? Nobody that I'm, I'm really seeing that. I I mean, Williamson doesn't have, uh, I, I don't think she has the wide, uh, base in terms of, of donor base. Uh, there, there's, there's nobody else I think who is in danger of jumping up on the stage. Again, I'd love to see two or three more people jump up in there because I'd love to see two nights of six. I think that's about ideal. Even, even with, with, the way they did it this last time, one night of ten, you just got. I mean, Andrew Yang spoke for eight minutes. Yeah, eight minutes to Biden's what was it, seventeen? So it's obvious. And it, it's tough. He had his mic muted. He had like four minutes the first time. So isn't it interesting that there was a there was about so so there were some issues. I, I sat there and I watched my my watch as soon as the debate started. For the first twenty five minutes, twenty five minutes of that debate. Nobody spoke and nobody got to asking questions but the big three, yep. Biden, Bernie and Warren. That was it. Now, they kept it was almost like they had agreed to do this beforehand. They kept mentioning each other. And of course, by the rules, you when you get to mention, you get a, and so the three of them just kept talking about each other. And they kept, and you could feel the frustration from the wings of the stage going, dude, there are, there are seven other people up here. I thought that was a very poor job by the moderators. Uh, yeah, I didn't like the moderators.
0: You know I, th- I thought Jorge R- Ramos did did some good questioning, but as a f- as as a whole, like the first debate there was they were pushing that hard stop. Mm-hmm. Thank you Senator. thank you. Thank you right. Senator. thank you, Senator. And then even Biden had, had enough balls
1: to say, no, I'll take as much time as I want, just like the rest of these, these guys These guys, they're not stopping either. No, there was, a, there was a couple of segments when they started yelling at each other. Again, when when Castro started doing the, can't you even remember what you said two minutes ago? And then everybody jumped in. And for about 15 seconds, George Stephanopoulos just, if this was a football swallowed game, he whistle. swallowed the whistle. That's yeah. why I turned to him, I, Amy, I said, he's swallowing the whistle. Now, the thing you always have to remember about Stephanopoulos, everybody else who has been a moderator thus far as a journalist. All right, Stephanopoulos is a journalist now, but what was he famous for? He was the communications director, director that helped House. that helped get Clinton elected. It was him and James Carville. And if you ever want to watch a really cool little movie that will chill you down, uh, uh, watch The War Room, which is that, that documentary about how Clinton got elected. He was a political operative. There is something about him that just loves this, that you could just see in his, oh, they're going back and forth. Oh, I love it. And he did. He swallowed the whistle and they yelled at each other for a mm-hmm. little while. Makes which, for good TV sometimes. Again, it makes for good TV. Uh, doesn't necessarily teach the, the, the electorate much about the candidates. But you were going to ask me about Booker.
0: Yes. What do you think his uh, strengths and weaknesses were? Because I thought he came off very likable. Mm-hmm. I thought he um, thought on his feet very well. Yes, he does. He mixes up his facial expressions, so it's kind of disarming. You know how somebody has a really nice smile, Mm -hmm. and you're just at ease as soon as you see them smile? Absolutely.
1: Super personal.
0: I like that. I don't want to see... Biden, you know, just statue or Beto, like a wet towel, Mm -hmm. just standing there. I want to see some excitement. I don't want to see Bernie's finger or Harris's finger wave at me anymore. You know, I'm sure there's body language experts out there that say, okay, this is defensive when I cross my arms or when I antagonize people, I'm waving that Mm -hmm. finger. Mm -hmm. And then there's the people that just open up their jacket, open up their arms, big smile, and that's an approachable person. Yes. I think that's...
1: Something Booker has going for him. for sure. The more he can get seen, the more he's one of those candidates. We were just talking about Clinton. He is one of those candidates that the difficulty of the primary process is that you, in general, the stats would tell you. The more likely you are, more likely to vote for a candidate when you have actually met them. That the deciding factor for people who voted for candidates was when they actually met them in person. It's one of the things Bill Clinton did when when his campaign was not going well. One of the things that they figured out worked really well that Stephanopoulos, as a matter of fact, worked out really well for him is they would take him to shopping malls. They would take him to shopping malls and just plant him. Nobody knew who this Arkansas governor was. He didn't even get into the race until October. And one of the things that they did was they just said. Ask the candidate a question, not even a candidate about, not even a question about him. Ask him about how the system works. Ask him anything you want to about government, where your tax dollars go. They knew even if he's not telling you about himself, if you just get a chance to meet this guy, it's going to pull you and it worked. And the same thing is true of Booker. Now, here's the problem with the process, with you having to get so many donors so fast in so many different states, there's just physical limitations on how many people you can meet. You just you just can't meet all these different people and shake all these hands. So this is where mass media comes in. The more he can get on camera, the more he can have events, again, if you haven't watched him in the climate change town hall, go back and watch him. The more he can get those moments where he shows you who he is and he strikes that really nice balance between the passion and ethos of harris without everything being a you know this is personal to me you know this reminds me of a story about my nephew blah 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 but just enough policy that he really gets the policy in the nuts and bolts and knows how things are going to happen he's got a really potent mix that i think the more people encounter it the more they're going to go yeah i dig this guy i i really honestly do i think and and the question with any candidate do you think he can beat trump if he wins the nomination and is he somebody who has policy components that you can get behind? That if he beats your guy, let's say you're a Bernie guy right now, okay? If he beats Bernie, are you going to get all, nah, I don't want like, to vote for my Bernie like last time, right? Where all the Bernie bros stayed home? I don't like, if it's not going to be my guy, I don't want it to be anybody. I'm just not going to vote. I'm going to sit on my couch and play video games. If he beats your person, can you still go, yeah, I could, I could get behind that guy. I could, I could go out and pull a lever for him. I could send in a mail ballot for him. That's, that's going to be the trick. Because unless, you know, nine out of ten of these people, your guy's not going to win. Only one guy's going to win. So, or a woman. Or a woman. A guy, yeah. I, I should, I should co- collect, uh, correct my language there. But So that's the question. is Let's assume you're one of the nine out of ten. You get beat. Are you going to go and away in a huff and get your feelings hurt and not vote? Or are you going to go, yeah, I can get behind that person. I can get behind Elizabeth Warren. I can get behind Mayor Pete. Yeah, It's going to be the the tough
0: part. makes me remember, too, about the moderators. Like, I forget who it was, but they asked Biden about their opening question was something about something he said 60 years ago. And I was just like, why do you even ask that? Today, You know, we're looking, like the comedian that Yang tried to bail out that was on Saturday Night
1: Live. And is no longer.
0: Yeah, I, I
1: heard he- uh, Fired him before, before he didn't even start. Did show.
0: Because he, he said, you know, Asian slander, what, 10 years ago on a
1: podcast? Well- As a comedian? He's, he's had a slightly more consistent record of that.
0: Yeah, he had some homophobic stuff as well. Um, but comedy's changed a lot. It's you know? true. And um, the other one was Cory Booker's Vegan Diet. Do you think everybody should adopt your diet?
1: I'm like what the hell question was that? Should we should we all go, you know, should we all go vegan? I Isn't that when he said the
0: the the Spanish that English? That was the,
1: he did the no, right? No. By the way, where Spanish, I wanted him no. to go. And this is the thing you got to be uh, this is where I I'd love to have when candidates are willing to go off the the set narrative because there's a, a false narrative that's been put out about the Amazon fires, the idea that they're all being cleared for beef, beef, but beef, 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 beef beef, but beef, beef, and if you get off beef, we should all eat less beef, okay? No, so much of the Amazon rainforest clearing has been going on for soybeans, soy, because of our tariffs, <laughs> the tariffs that our president's doing on China are leaving a big soy gap and China needs a lot of soybeans and they do a lot of soy, and so now- all that soy can come from the Amazon rainforest. Okay, that's great. Co- correct the narrative. That's cool. Don't just go with the talking points. Don't. Uh, na- it's not granted. so cool. I don't want to see it burn because there's so much biodiversity in the, in the. Rainforest. No, no. I'm not saying. The, I'm not saying the, the burning is cool. I'm saying, tell us the truth. Tell it. Yeah. Don't be. Don't. Don't be. Uh, content with the headline.
0: Well, if you lie all the time, too, you forget. Um. The lies that you told to which person, you know, Trump does it all the time about like the hurricane, never seen a a five star hurricane or whatever. And then they pick back like 18 times
1: that he's done it in the last 10 years. Really big. I need to go golfing really large. But, but see, then you get into that philosophical idea, the George Costanza idea from Seinfeld, Jerry, it's not a lie. If you believe it, Uh. if you believe your own lie, is it a lie? The mind is a tricky thing, and and I I honestly think he he believes a lot of his own stuff. I mean that's that's the the difficult thing is, you know, is, is it a lie if you have told it enough times that you know? I, I think it's true. I honestly think he believes some of his own stuff. Scary thing here. I'll tell you one last story, and then we'll, we'll close it out. Um, so I was watching an interview with. Do you know who Penn Gillette is? Of yeah. Penn and Teller. He's lost a lot of weight. He I think he's, he starting, went, and he's starting to gain it back now. But he's vegan, isn't he? he uh, he's got this really interesting diet. We'll talk about it sometimes. It'll like starts out with all potatoes. It's it's a really kind of weird diet. But uh, I watched him being interviewed about Donald Trump because he was on The Apprentice not once but twice. Oh yeah, he was telling how horrible it was. He was, it was well, he, he there were parts of it he enjoyed. He um but he said it, w- it was really interesting. He said, number one, Trump was the perfect guy for that show because he's a horrible businessman. He makes terrible business decisions. And if you had a great businessman on there who made great decisions, it'd be fu- it wouldn't be interesting television. If you had Paul Allen on there, Paul Allen would make a lot of great business decisions. Everybody would let make a lot of bit of money, roll credits, and it would be very boring. He said the other thing that he found fascinating about Trump, and this was something that just sent chills down my spine. He said that they were getting ready to shoot one day. They were doing one of the big boardroom scenes. And he, uh, Penn, had some earphones in. He was listening to music, as he often does, because it takes forever to set up those shots.
0: Yeah, hours and hours he was saying and so, he just sat at the yeah. board table. And he couldn't put his fingers on it because Donald didn't want smudges on,
1: on right. the table. So he says... Um, it, 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 Trump comes in and says, all right, everybody, we're ready to shoot. We're ready to shoot. Get ready. Hey, Penn, take your little ear things out there. And then he asked, what are you listening to? What are you listening? And Penn was listening to like the Grateful Dead or something like that. He said, Grateful Grateful Dead. And Trump made this comment. He said, yeah, you know, I don't get music. <laughs> I don't get music. I don't enjoy it. Don't, I don't understand why people like I've never really enjoyed it. I don't, I don't. I don't get music. When I heard him say that, wow. there was just something in me that just, Flipped over. Like, I, and, you know, my thought was, you know, I can cross a lot of bridges. I really can. I can, I can find something in common with just about anybody Be, because of, of where I was raised and how I was raised. I, I, I can find common ground with just about anybody. But if you can honestly say that, if you can honestly say, I don't get music, I don't understand it, I've never liked any of it, I've never heard any that I like, you are a space alien to me you are something that I don't understand you and I are on opposite sides of a big chasm and and I just don't there's, there's something about that that idea that I cannot fathom I don't get music and and there's much more important things don't get me wrong there's much more important things in a chief executive than whether you enjoy music or not but there is something about that statement that makes me go wow you and I are so far apart I do not understand how you look at the world and you could never understand how I look at the world. That's just a, a, a big deal. That's a, That was a scary thing to me that made me feel like I, I wasn't dealing with an, an understandable entity.
0: That reminds me. I want to thank uh, Ralph rain for today's music on the podcast and full-time fantasy sports and bull market fantasy sports as well for sponsoring the show today. Go Hawks. Go Hawks. Um, yeah, they're off to a great start, 2-0, and so am I in fantasy football.
1: Got a little got a little lucky, and now it looks like we're going to face uh, New Orleans coming in with no Drew Brees. Yeah, broke his thumb hitchhiking last I, game, I right? I guess, so yeah, if you you start off with 3-0, now it gets really serious. Yeah, I like it. I'm, I'm saying
0: they're going to win 13 games this year.
1: Whoa, okay. I'm going way go, off the deep end. Go big or go home. And if
0: you haven't heard the Seahawks preview with Johnny Everson and Ian Ritchie, go back and play that it's podcast. Awesome. That was a blast. Uh, speaking of more about football before you cut out of here, you got a Villa hat on there.
1: Yeah, they played today. Uh, Manchester, uh, no West Ham. It was West Ham today. Played them to a zero-zero tie. Twelve thirty odd Monday game. But yeah, I'm there's a- always one game on Monday. Uh yeah, th- and this week it was them, which is great because normally their games are ungodly. Not as bad as it used to be when they were in Championship League at five o'clock in the morning. Now yeah, but usually they're seven. Saturday morning, uh, and now they're on much more watchable networks that you can find. But yeah, I'm a I'm a Villa guy. Yeah, yeah. Shout out to Mar- English Mark. Mark, hey, Mark's Mark's how I got into it.
0: Yeah, he's, he's a diehard Villa fan. West Ham and Villa, they always confuse me because the
1: uniforms look the same to me. They do. They, the claret in blue looks a little similar.
0: Shout out to Dean Saunders. I hope you get out of jail for your drink drive fence soon. How's your uh, new spot? in Olympia
1: we're getting there we're, we're hopefully about uh, 7 to 10 days away we're dealing with a, a couple of permit issues with the city trying to make sure our bathrooms are good and ADA compatible for everybody but we're really excited we've got uh, menu all planned out we've got our, our systems up I have some great games for people to be walking in and playing and as soon as I get the thumbs up I'm going to start booking some I've got about 10 or 12 local singer-songwriter artists who are just on hold waiting for the, the green light and then I'm going to book a really great great lineup for the first couple of months
0: and you play board games and magic and
1: yeah it's going to be all sorts of, sorts of things it's yeah it's it's there's going to be a side of the restaurant that's just for that sort of stuff uh that i've got uh, a bunch of four top tables that are ready to go there uh that are not anywhere near the musical stage so if you want to come in and do that that's terrific i'm a big player of that and in fact on tuesday nights and sunday nights uh we're going to be doing D live on stage with me dming so
0: tell everybody cool. where um, they can find information about your stuff. So,
1: all you need to do is you need to go on bard's bardsbounty.com, B A R D S B O U N T Y.com. And if you're a musician or a songwriter in the Kitsap Peninsula, feel free to go on the booking page and send me your stuff. And I'd love to listen to it, maybe book you. And uh, yeah, it's, it's uh, going to be, I think, one of the cool music and gaming spots on the peninsula. And listen to
0: my man, Ralph Rain, on SoundCloud. You've been listening to the bystander podcast? Be kind. Thanks, Joel. Take it easy, man. Appreciate it.
2: Yep, it's Ralph Rain, Ralph Rain. For your for your brain. For your brain. Ralph Rain, Ralph Rain. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, yeah, okay. Ralph Rain, Ralph Rain. hmm Yep. yep. He's He's not free. No, no, not at all, not at all. No not at all, No, not at all and I ain't I ain't dreaming, uh-uh It's uh-uh. not free. No, no, not at all, not at not all. Yeah, It's not for it's free Open my eyes into the world I came. Probably wanted to hurl in shame. At their fake eyes like eight eyes, they track me as I scream. Lord just wake me from this dream. With a light here barely gleaming The night, you hear the screams. and the government fighting dreams, no war for peace, no war for me. Craziest ladies who watch their babies of iodine, Should I am fine? Like the print on a prenup, though I fit my life consists of reading the papers with feet up, man. But I ain't tripping. <laughs> Stepping in shit for my neighbors, three pups. Hey, watch the flower, put on an the use you will freed up, and your anguish will just freeze up. It's on the papers, but it's pre stuffed in your brain. Forget the name, forget the fame, taking as money's exchange. I think it's amazing how money can change. What well, you feel in your heart if you let it and regret it, you're in debt with yourself. Shit, man, not even I can measure myself. Music is everything, we're stuck in the measure of self. But he's dreaming. he's dreaming. By government Like shirts to a belt Shit I be hovering So the earth could just melt I'm drunk off love It spills on my shirt As I belch Stacked in bottles On a never ending shelf Stacks and models I won't lie I got no money But my gold is in mine And you can't ever Take it from me Unless I give it But you niggas never listen Just stay a puzzle And I know that piece is missing It's a huddle It's at least four five, inches So I never forfeit inches As in giving up These magazines They listen up About these fake ass rappers Who just live it up And never helping their people All they to me Help is a people I never could release. Silver spoons and ivory plate, the silver zooms just as reality shakes. How will you eat? what's given on reality's plates I see bliss no matter how reality tastes these feet miss thinking that they carry they weight I change fate on oh, how my mind gets carried away time is carried by fate in the ocean regrets are carried by weight what's behind me as I'm floating at the perfect pace in the moving now I know I'm in a perfect state even if by tomorrow in the dirt I lay selfless I know the shirts will say help the hopeless and know this I never search for praise search for days where we all will see that the earth will change Seeing a homeless man and he said he only searched for change. I said, We ain't so different. And it really hurt to say. He's I, and I ain't tripping. I ain't tripping. He's no, no, I ain't tripping. No, He's I ain't not tripping. Uh-uh, no, not at all. He's not all. No, no, not at all. Ralph Green.